A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview. Worldviews are the grids. They are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. Sorry. Yeah, especially yeah. when you start recording, so I might just call you. Bam, because my line's buzzing. Who's who's calling? The trap line. <laughs> trap star. Um, okay, I've started recording, so whenever you guys wanna. How's everyone doing today? I'm good. I've been I'm alright. It's been yeah, a yeah, yeah. Um, very very long week for me personally. Hmm. Yeah. Work I feel is that. extremely busy right now. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not gonna get any more. I'm busy. Mm. Okay. So, Booked and busy. Yeah. What's that? Booked and busy. Yeah, basically. Yes, queen. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably till like May, June times. But I'm hoping, I've been looking at holidays, etc. this mm. week. Because I need to get out of here. Mm-hmm, it's yeah. unfortunate, yeah, that... Um, I'm going away tomorrow. Oh, where you off to? Croatia. Hmm. Oh, I've heard Croatia is very nice. Split or... I'm living my best life. I'm going to, to Dubrovnik. Oh, yeah. okay, cool. I need some time away. It's been mm. a while since I travelled, so... I gotta yeah. find peace. Have <laughs> you guys heard the church remix to I'm living my best life? No. No, new, I haven't. New birth. Who, sorry, Jamal wait. First Bryant. of all, who, who did the first version? Um, what's his name? Duval. Lil Duval. Oh, Little oh. Number, love, ain't yeah. going back what's the um church one? I think oh. it just says stuff like ain't going back to um, what? No, it says new birth is for winners. I ain't going back to back with you sinners. Okay, that's that's fine. <laughs> who is this? Jamal Bryant. Oh, um, Jamal Bryant. Jamal Bryant. Jamal Bryant. Jamal Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> How did? What's that thing? What? I'm the man. That guy. I'm the man. Oh, I don't, I no, it's the it's the one that did the um Chris Brown. Uh, oh, no, you're talking about thing, Dietrich Haddon. No, no, Jamal Bryant basically said um these hoes ain't loyal. Right, what? right, right, right. Did you know? <laughs> In a service. Yeah, I can't remember what he. I, remember wow. what the, I don't know. I know certain men that quote like like Drake and that in their sermons, but we ain't gonna talk too much about them. Doesn't Israel do that? I think he does actually. You know. Wow. Didn't you say a wise man wants to nothing at all? <laughs> 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 you actually did. <laughs> Any, any... I act, no, technically I didn't. I almost did. I tried to work into a sermon and I was so upset that I basically told everyone after the service. But there was, was a time, you've quoted Drake and Paul. Therefore, he's definitely, like, I'm almost I've certain he's done a wise, Maria. a wise man, Richard a wise has, poet Richard, Richard by the name Kendrick. of Aubrey Graham. Richard quoted Kendrick one time, what did he? What did he quote from Kendrick? How much does a dollar cost? What's that, what was the context of the sermon? Do you remember? I, I remember. remember. He sta- it was like the. F- it's how he started. I remember. Yeah. Really? It was on. Was it not on? Um, that shows like, how late I got uh, to church. Second Corinthians five. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. I think it was. Where um, Christ became um, poor, that you might become Come rich. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Damn, he wasn't listening that day. Mm. I just wasn't there at the time. Oh, so it was yeah. at the beginning of the sermon. So he was late. Basically. Okay. Shots. Shots. Um, okay, that's right. That's but fine. yeah, no. Enjoy Croatia. Is how have you been? I've been good. Again, like you said, I think everyone's in that season. I'm guessing. It's been really busy. Um, I think yeah, most of you know that I'm a teacher and after Easter it's exam season for year 11s and so the school's been stepping up the right. whole like really focusing on them um, which is just I mean understandably so but obviously it's mm-hmm. also a lot of work at the same time and I kind of can't wait for exam season um, so that it drops a little bit right <laughs> yeah but you've got like what two months two three months till, till end of the school time it finished in July after right? the exams Oh, leading up to the so, exams. When so it gets quieter. there's about three, after Easter holidays, about three weeks of classroom stuff, 
onto at least the science. They will start they start the exams already for like art and drama, different things. Mm-hmm. But exam season will officially end like mid June, early June, sorry. Um, and then things will be a lot lighter because they'll be off my timetable. How okay. how do you think your students are shaping up? Um, like I'm realizing the complexities of being a teacher because there are kids who are meeting their targets, um, whether that's high, medium, or low. There are kids who are doing better than expected and mm-hmm. who are doing worse than expected. And it's tough to navigate that in a right. classroom because there's one kid who's like, oh, I thought I was going to get a B and I got an A. Yeah. And they're like over the moon. Yeah. And there's another kid who's meant to get an A and got a C. And it's like... The pressure's on. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then they're in the classroom. They're seeing the person on the other table celebrating and their mood is, is low. And you, it's like you're trying to navigate. How do I celebrate with the person who's doing well yeah. while being sensitive to the person who is not doing well? Yeah. And just... It's, it's, it's and how do you feel about it personally? Because I always get the feeling that like if I was a teacher... Obviously, in one sense, it is. It's a reflection mm. of how well, potentially, you've taught the subject to these students over the past year or however long you've had them in your mm. class. And I know definitely that you take a sense of pride when your students do well. Yeah. Um, how, how do you deal with that kind of reality? Um, I'm, I think I see how students perform, especially over the long term. Okay. So like this year, I've seen a lot of students make progress and improve. Um, Shout out to you. <laughs> I mean it's like it, it's hard especially when you see the different work ethics of certain students that I mean I can name in my, in my mind like four students who have just literally climbed up and I don't actually think it's because of me right because I've taught all of them the same way but they have come they've bothered my life to kingdom come mm. and at some points in the year I've been sick of them like leave me alone I want to go Aww. home but they come in after school saying sir can I have extra work? Can I have... And then they're scoring. And so you see that <clears throat> and you celebrate with them. You realise, actually, that wasn't really me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was you in terms of you gave them extra yeah, work, yeah. you pushed them. You... But I wouldn't have chased them <laughs> oh, after school to, to yeah. find them and give it to them. Right. And to see that, and then also to see students who you're, you're teaching, but who aren't following the work, who aren't doing the homework, who aren't doing things like that. And you think, I can only go so far. So there's a combination of... Um, knowing your responsibilities and meeting that to the best of your ability, but also knowing your limits that you can't make a student do well, even though you are pro- you are the biggest contributor to their success. You right. also don't make the success. It's, it's a weird dynamic. Um, Got you. But yeah. Fair, fair. Who's, life. who's seen Us? Mm. I've seen Us. Is there, you seen it? You I've read enough articles to, to... To be honest, I haven't seen it. I've okay. just read articles that have tried to explore different themes in it. Okay. I don't mind spoilers. Mary, how do you rate it? I really liked it. Really? I thought it was good. Yeah, I'm, I want to see it again. Okay. Uh, I, was, I was planning to see it again today, actually, but I don't think I'll make it. I think we should probably say spoiler alert for those as well. I don't yeah, think we're going to... We're not going to... We'll I mean, try no, no, not to or spoil spoiler it. alert, which means that if you don't want it, you can just click that <laughs> plus 15. Yeah, yeah. Plus 40 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't... We'll try as much to review it without spoiling it. Why, it's why still do you want to see it again? Um, I... I most I think when I watch films, so I, I tend to watch films a lot. Okay. I, like, I tend to like to watch films again anyway. But especially when you see the twist like you have in Us. Yeah. I think, um, what's his name? Jordan Peele. I'm sure he would have given us little kind of eggs or like hints of his themes throughout the um, throughout the film. Mm-hmm. So I like to see the layering. So there's even a part, um, not a spoiler, but I remember in the beginning, I noted in the beginning that um, they're walking to the beach and there's the shadows. Yep above them yep. and obviously when you see the end you're like ah the shadows the the other kind of the other like doppelganger yeah. so to speak um so yeah that's why i want to watch it again and i thought it was i thought it was a really good film did you 
watched the Breakfast Club interview. With I Winston want Duke. to. I, was I so did. I, I did. did. Yeah. So I remember speaking to Topper about this, and she was like, "Well, we kind of have the same view on the film." Yeah, you both didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think it's that I dislike it. I think it's really good in that Jordan Peele kind of way of trying to intricately weave, mm-hmm. um, yeah, black experience, yeah, in America into cinema, and so I commend him for that. Um, I think the themes that he touches on. So I think things like manhood. Hmm. Although I was at points appalled by Winston Duke's <laughs> Winston Duke's character. Okay. Um, um, also, what it's like to be, dare I say, voiceless in yeah. America. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Um, as a black person in particular, mm. Mm-hmm. Um, classism, and classism, and stuff that like that. Out. I thought that stuff was really interesting. Yeah. But I guess for me, it was billed as a horror movie. Now I'm not like a huge. Oh, so you want it to be gorya? Well, it's not necessarily that it's I want it to be gorya, but. Um, I perhaps wanted it to be less cerebral okay, and yeah. actually see how Jordan Peele deals with, you know, yeah, works in that genre because yeah. like before the film came out, he did a lot of um, kind of talking about how he got Lupita to watch these 10 yeah. horror movies and those are actual horror movies. Like yeah, they yeah. actually deal, I think, with like, you know, the scary stuff, the suspense, da, 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 da. You don't really get that so much in this film. Oh, I get it. And, um, I was disappointed in that. Horror, I hate horror, so I'm Fair happy. enough, no. I, I was I can... terrified. If you saw me watching this film, yeah. I, 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 at one part I wanted uh, to leave and then my friend gunned me down. <laughs> really? So I'm, I'm even happy it wasn't as gory. Oh, Go on, we about to say something. No, I just... Wait, why are you terrified of horror? I just don't like it. It's my least favourite genre. I still don't like well, it. You know when you've watched so many Nollywood movies? I still don't like it. I, do, I, think, <laughs> I don't like, I like... I just don't like horror. It just does nothing for me. Thriller, dark thriller. Yeah. But horror... No, thank huh. you. I watched a film the other day called Zodiac. Yeah. That was virgin on her. I was so scared. I'm done. <laughs> no, so yeah, for what that was re- the second part you didn't like the second part reason why you didn't like it? I also just didn't enjoy the dialogue. Now I appreciate Ooh. um why the dialogue would have suffered because the us characters, the mm-hmm. others, the uh, the tethers. Yeah, the tethers. Um they were meant to be voiceless in some sense. Yeah, so but I actually much. think he could have brought out beyond Lupita in the dialogue, how, what he was trying to show in terms of class, mm-hmm. race in America. He could have brought yeah. that out better in the interactions between them. I think the film suffered a little bit because um, they barely spoke apart from Lupita's um, tether. Mm. The, scene the, the scenes at the end between them though are, yeah, 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 yeah. help in terms of Definitely. Um, presenting the tethered uh, perspective and yeah, the, sure. the main character's perspective. Mm. Like, what, listen, was name? what was her name? The, who Lupita pays? Oh, um... Oh, she's got like one uh, name. And I remember the husband's name and the wife's. Name as well. his, name, his name was Gabe. And oh, it will come to me. The, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it. Um, but listen, I won't complain. I've seen plenty of whack horror <laughs> movies. With, I, I'll, and I'll be honest here. With Lupita black, was phenomenal as yeah, well. Yeah, she, no, she was fantastic. Phenomenal. I've seen plenty of whack horror movies with white protagonists. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm very happy that Jordan Peele feels the need to make to have black leads and make yeah. black people in Hollywood just a normal thing. Mm-hmm. So we don't always think, oh, like, why aren't we better represented at the Oscars mm-hmm. or stuff like that? Mm-hmm. If we can just see ourselves in, you know... Um, Adelaide was her name, sorry. Adelaide? Yeah, Adelaide. I don't remember. Um, she yeah. had a nickname. Yeah, I think so. If we if we see ourselves, I guess, like in just everyday kind of films, mm. regularly, no harm with that. But yeah, yeah. I, I think I gave it like a... I gave it like a six and a half, six. Fair enough. Wow. Yeah. But 
we're not here to discuss us. Um, what are we here to discuss? <laughs> we are uh, doing a Q&A episode um, today. So thank you again to everybody who continues to send in questions via Curious Cat, mm-hmm. email, mm. um, and the various other forums. Um, yeah. These I was just having a conversation in the car actually with um, one of my friends and we were just talking about the really good opportunity these questions present for you to just kind of like travel the course of your own theology mm-hmm. and think through um, what your own kind of thoughts are on particular issues because some of them are maybe more theological than others some of them are just kind of life application things yeah and always good to just be kind of testing yourself as to where your mind is um, in the scriptures as they apply to these things so thank you to everybody who continues to send questions send more Mm. to be honest um we love the range of questions that we get and um please continue to do so mary do you want to kick us off with Um, questions (laughs) do i even have it in there (laughs) Okay, cool. First episode. I'm sorry. First question. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm going to have a mare today. Oh, man. Um, first question. Loved your friend's episode that you did recently with Gabby. Shout out to Gabby. Shout out to Gabby, Gabby, man. She was, that was what, her first? Hashtag killing it. Um, first Black Bria episode. Yeah. As a new member of Black Bria. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. And she came on a bomb, right? Yo. Stoppied it. Shout super wavy. Um, yeah, go on. All genius game. Um, loved your friend's episode that you did recently with Gabby. Is it wrong to have a Christian friend that you're not fond of? So you don't hate them, but you don't particularly like them. Is it wrong to have a Christian friend that you're not fond of? You don't hate them, but you, but you don't. don't like them. <laughs> so you don't wow. particularly like them. Let me quote them properly. Let okay. Them. Um, you don't particularly like them. I think from my perspective, yeah, I can appreciate that um, there are people in the church that you'll get on with more than you do others. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily think that there's an issue that you are closer to some people more than you are to others. But I've been thinking through this a lot recently, actually, um, about what the what relationships in the church look like. Mm-hmm. And as part of my devotional life, I've been going, I've in, been in the book of Romans, and mm. I think just, <laughs> just man. maybe mm. just this week, um, in Romans 12, thinking about the marks of, of a Christian and what it means in terms of um, loving one another. Right. Um, in, in fact, I'll even bring it up so we don't misquote. But yeah, let love be genuine. Love mm. one another with brotherly affection. Mm. And I think... I'll do one another. Yeah. Affection. Showing... Show, ah, what's the scripture? I'll do one another and showing love? Showing honour. And showing honour. That's it, yeah. Um, and showing honour. And I think the difficulty that poses for a, a person who doesn't particularly like one of their brethren. So I'm going to assume that that... It's hard to say that person's your friend if you don't like them. Yeah, I was thinking the same. I mean, so I'm going to assume that they mean oh, another Christian brother or sister. The difficulty with not liking Christian brothers and sisters is that I feel not liking them probably leads to a bit of like coldness, unconcern, mm. um, distance in your relationship. Mm. Now, when I try and square that off with the call to love one another, outdo one another, and show an honor, um, let your love be genuine towards mm. one another, it makes it makes it hard for me to see how we cannot like those in the church. Um, and that's and that's not to say that... <laughs> maybe, yeah, I, was gonna say, I wanna say, that's not to say that everybody in the church is like eminently likable. Do you know what I mean? We, we all have our flaws. <laughs> yeah. And so that can make liking somebody difficult. But I think our call is to go beyond liking slash not liking and certainly not hating our brethren. 
But if we're called to love our brethren, um, I think it makes it very, very difficult for you to suggest that you can't like them. Um, that's my initial thought on it. Mm. Israel? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm thinking, I mean, one of the things I always do, think about the definitions mm. of how we're, so, how we're defining like, uh, how we're defining friend. So I think you like accurately mentioned that actually friend, how are we defining that? Because yeah. friend assumes, I think the general understanding assumes a certain level of closeness mm. and uh, why am I thinking cohesive? What's the word? like Affection. Yeah, yeah. affection, intimacy between the two um, persons. So I think one, it, <clears throat> if you have a Christian friend you're not fond of, my what went to what came to my mind was personality clashes right mm -hmm. which i think is the best way i can understand this question i guess in the most positive way possible yeah. and i'm instantly thinking of for example introvert extrovert dynamics right that you have a christian friend who's an extrovert and you're an introvert speaking for me here I'm an <laughs> and so if i have a friend who is like really outgoing quote loud very like out there just wants to jump straight into something yeah in the first movie doesn't want to like i'm a planner so before i go into something i've outlined every step i'm taking from beginning to end but they're like oh we'll sort it out in the middle let's just dive <laughs> yeah. right into it right neither are necessarily better or worse than the other mm -hmm. uh but that's gonna, there's gonna be a clash because there's just an intrinsic difference to the way we approach things mm -hmm. uh and i don't think that doesn't mean you don't like the person yeah i think that just means you you, you struggle to enter that personality type yeah so i wouldn't use the word like there i feel like that's what they're talking about right I, I i imagine they're saying oh i have this christian friend at church and they're really like x and that's just a person personality mm -hmm. but because that's not their personality mm -hmm. it's um spoken about in the language of dislike or i'm not fond of mm. i think a good way to solve that issue is just to change the language and say i don't think it's not i don't like you i just think it's we have different personalities and I struggle to actually understand your personality. Right. That's something I, need, I can improve on, sure. I can work on. That kind of language, I think, has the um, potential for growth and mm -hmm. development and to acknowledge your limits um, and to still build a loving relationship mm. that respects the fact that we are different people. Mm -hmm. We have different psychological makeups, different yeah. experiences that make us who we are. Uh, so I think my, my answer to that question is I think we should reframe <laughs> the way it's being asked and if you're the one who gave this question like no that's not what I'm talking about at all <laughs> I'm sorry this is my personality send a follow up <laughs> I'm done Mary have you got anything to yeah I think I think it was the, the wording so um, you don't particularly you don't hate them but you don't particularly like them yeah um, and I don't it kind of seems very like there's a sense of indifference around them mm -hmm. um, and I personally don't think you can be indifferent to a Christian to a believer um, especially if they're in your local church you owe them a duty of care you owe them love you have a responsibility over them um, in terms of encouraging one another praying for one another mm -hmm. asking them how they are um, showing them brotherly affection and so I think if that is the kind of um, I have a friend I don't really not the biggest fan of them so I'm going to leave them in their corner yeah. I'm going to be distant to them I'm going to be cold if I see them in the station I'm going to avoid them if if someone tells me how, she, how they're doing I'm not going to check up on them if they didn't come to church for three months I wouldn't think should i call them i think that's wrong um right. and i think even if you are because of course we're going to clash there's going to be personality issues there's going to be 
we don't we might not have the same interests you might like something completely different to what i like um but it's like what are we doing to pursue love in that so even if we do even if i'm not particularly fond of them am i loving them as i ought to am i desiring to know them or am i desiring to um to to serve them like all of these mm. different things i think have to be in our minds because of course in a local church if 100 people walk in we naturally drift to those yeah, who yeah. are close and there's some people that are like oh, they can stay there sadly, <laughs> sadly. um Mary but, we need, to, <laughs> but Sorry, we need go. to um dami you can anyway <laughs> <laughs> but we need to think of all of those people yeah. as we as we desire to show brotherly affection as romans 12 says got you yeah got so. you question two uh what does it mean to be filled with the spirit had a discussion with a friend um from uni who told me you can be born again but not filled sorry i'm gonna start this question again <laughs> What does it mean to be filled with the spirit? Had a discussion with a friend from uni who told me that you can be born again, but not saved, um, filled with the spirit. That's a separate kind of uh, sentence. He mentioned the disciples in Acts 1 and the scripture about water and the spirit. Is there a difference? Does that mean you need to be baptized to receive the Holy Spirit? I'm confused. Thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Israel, what do you think? Filled, what does it mean to Man's be filled with the spirit? Um, is there a difference between that and... Can you be born again and not... There's, so there's a few questions. I'm just going to yeah. try and... Uh, what I does mean, it mean to be born I mean, filled with the Spirit? Can you be mm-hmm. born again but not saved? Um, what is the yeah. interpretation of water and the Spirit in Acts 1? Is there a difference? Do you need to be baptised to receive the Holy Spirit? Um. So, how do I start this? Well, I'll start with the born again question. Can you be born again and not saved? No. Uh, born again is to be regenerated. That means to be brought to life. Um, and when you're brought to spiritual life, uh, the spiritually alive will respond in actual obedience and submission to God. Um, I don't think you can be born again, brought to spiritual life in right relationship with God and then say, I'm not going to submit to him. That the, 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 the nature of the new life is um, one that submits to the Lordship of Christ. That is part of what it is to be born again. And so the two are... intricately connected you can't have one without the other um i think the the idea of filling with the spirit um is connected but different in that it it has to do especially in the passages where it comes up i'm thinking uh ephesians and galatians uh where it comes up in in, yeah in the new testament Hmm. is looking at the actual sanctification of the christian essentially um and the filling of spirit is always connected to um the continual changing of the individual as they walk in the Christian life towards greater conformity to the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so in Ephesians 4, I believe it is. Um, Do not be drunk with wine. Yes. But before before the, Ephesians, Ephesians 5? Ephesians 5. I think it's 4. Okay. Let me check. It's going to be awkward. Ooh. <laughs> scriptural. <laughs> it's going to be right. Man said Israel. <laughs> nah. Um, no, what is it? Ephesians four or five? I think it is Ephesians five. You know, isn't it Ephesians five twenty six? Dami is the victor. Oh, God. That's a W. So it's, it's Ephesians five. IPC, I call me. <laughs> oh, Ephesians five. Speak truthfully. Do not anger. Ephesians five. No, I was no, I was wrong. It's not Ephesians five twenty six. Um. Israel, you're really looking for this scripture. It's Ephesians. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Ephesians. Ephesians. Um, yeah. Oh, it's Ephesians 18, 5. 5. 18, yeah. Ephesians Do not get 5, drunk 18. with wine. 
for that is the battery, but be filled with the spirit. Yeah, damn me one. One nil. Only that way. Okay, where, where, where was I? Ephesians 5.18, that's where you were. So yeah, in, in the book of Ephesians in 5.18, uh, Paul says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And obviously the entire context here, uh, especially Ephesians 4-6, to 6, is dealing with right Christian living. Mm-hmm. And what it looks like for Christians to walk um, a path that is in line with um, being conformed to the image of Christ. And so being filled with the Spirit looks like evidencing a life and a shape that matches um, the life of Christ himself. Uh, so it, 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 the person who is full of the Spirit, Galatians 5, is going to have the fruits of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. They are going to evidence love and gentleness, joy, patience, self-control. They are going to, uh, for example, in Ephesians 4, they are going to um, exchange lying for speaking the truth. They are going to... Um, get rid of verse 31 of Ephesians 4 get rid of all bitterness rage and anger brawling and slander uh, they're going to get rid of malice and instead verse 32 they're going to be kind and compassionate they're going to be forgiving and so on so this is this yeah. is the right Christian living that's what it is to be filled with the spirit okay but then when so when someone is born again they receive the spirit but there's yeah. a continuous filling of the spirit in yeah. sanctification yeah and there's a growing in that filling so that uh even in the day, even though the day-to-day experience might seem as though I'm getting nowhere, you can honestly look at yourself um, ten years back and say, "I have grown. And I've seen change." Um, just like a fruit, it's, it's gradual. It's day by day, not even noticeable. If you are watching a tree grow, you're not going to see anything. Mm. But you come back to that tree after six months, you're like, "Whoa, yeah. this thing is massive." And that's and that's, I think, a good picture of what it looks like to be continually filled with the Spirit and to um, grow in Christian maturity. So do you need to be baptised to receive the Holy Spirit? No, you do. (laughs) I think he answered that initially. Yeah, you you don't need to be baptised to receive Um, the Holy Spirit. And the scripture about water and the Spirit? I wasn't actually sure. Hold on one sec. So he said, he mentioned the disciples in Acts 1 and the scripture about water and the Spirit. Is there a difference? A difference between... Between being born of water and the Spirit. um, So when he says Acts 1, I'm assuming they're talking about when the disciples received... The Holy Spirit, which is technically Acts 2, right? Yeah, I don't know. And the scripture about water and the Spirit. Oh, and... Unless unless a man be born of water and the Spirit, I think is the reference there. I think, yeah, I think that's what they're saying. Unless a man be born of the... um, Is that that, that the passage? That's not in Acts, though. No, that's not. So they're comparing those two passages, right? Maybe. Let's just... (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I just... I don't know who the passage is. I can't even ask them. Um, I'm not sure what they're trying to say about the difference between those two passages. That's the that that makes the question basically. So I'm okay. a bit hazy on that. Uh, what I can say, I guess, is that uh, receiving the Holy Spirit isn't synonymous to being baptized. Being baptized um, is to identify with the covenant people of God. Um, it is to it's a it's a marker. It's an identity marker that separates you out. What I'm watching so clo- I'm, wa- I'm watching so closely. Continue as well by your views. Hashtag household matters. <laughs> but um. Stupid. <laughs> I have like five different. I'm just trying to self control. Okay. Uh. Yeah. So it's it's not synonymous. Um. 
but it isn't it doesn't mean that baptism isn't important i think that's what, that's, that's what i'm trying okay. to get to, uh, okay. that you, you receive the holy spirit especially when you are born again um and there's a continuing filling of the holy spirit um and that baptism is not synonymous to that but baptism is, is important because it is um the covenant sign that god has given to his people um to mark the community out um in contrast to the rest of the world okay Dami, you was going to say something? Very comprehensive answer. Um, I was going to more kind of ask a question on being filled with the Spirit because it brought me to, just looking at it now, a number of passages where mm. um, the apostles, for example, are speaking with boldness. Mm. It would say being filled with the Spirit, Paul, mm. being filled with the Spirit, Peter. And I think usually in the context of them um, witnessing truth against some authority or yeah. some... Um, person who's contrary. I was just going to say, as well as the increasing evidence of fruit being born, do you think it's also like an, dare I say, an intoxication with scriptural truth? Hmm. So, like, yeah, being filled with the truth of God's word, which the spirit actually brings us into all knowledge and reminds us of. Hmm. I think that would be my only kind of question slash addition what Israel has said um, yeah yeah I definitely agree um two things come to mind um first one of the fruits of the spirit is faithfulness mm. and so I think what you have there being evidenced by um the apostles in those moments were being faithful to God and so even when um Paul or Peter wow in Acts 4 says you know if it's between man or God or rather we're, we're going to serve God over man and so that's faithfulness to God is, is part of what it is to be um, evidence in the fruit of the spirit and to be filled with the spirit. And um, the second thing that comes to my mind is you. You said when you said I'm so intoxicated with the uh, with the word that they that they actually just it just comes out mm. in, so intensely to to others. I think of Charles Spurgeon who says essentially that um, the Christians should be so absorbed in God and His word that that they bleed bibline, that their blood is bibline. Um, and first time I heard that word. What's bibline? Sorry, <laughs> it's just I, I didn't. Spurgeon is, is it makes up words. Yeah, it's like okay. it's like legalese. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? Like it's like I think the idea is that like biblical language. Yeah, okay. like, you're, like yeah. you're so soaked in um, scripture that it just it just pours out when you cut oh. your hand. Bible pours out, mm. um, and I think of. Now, I know Mary's going to call me out for this. Um, Tim Keller. Wow. For this. <laughs> <laughs> Tim you know, Tim I, I honestly thought he would... No, I didn't. No. I was about to say, I was, is he going to... No. <laughs> oh, you thought it was going to be Drake? No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, go on, go on. The late... Drake. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what did, what, did your, what did Tim Keller say? T- Tim Keller uh, gave an illustration of being what it looks like to be so soaked in, mm. in scripture. I said, so, f- he said, for example, he... This is him speaking now. I said, I've read so, uh, so much um, C.S. Lewis. I've basically read all his material that I can quote him off the top of my head without having to even like write down on the manuscript. It just comes to mind. Even so, it, says, it says it's gotten to the point that he can figure out what C.S. Lewis would say on something that C.S. Lewis has never spoken about because he has mm-hmm. such a comprehensive understanding of what C.S. Lewis's theology and philosophy is like. And it's like, that's how our, our, our view of... Um, our, our understanding of the Bible should be that we can we're so absorbed in that we know how to apply it straight away to these new contexts and that's his, he says essentially that's the pinnacle of wisdom that mm. you, 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 you have the Christian worldview and the biblical imperative so ingrained that when you're met with this new situation you know how to bring it to you know, you know how to bring the Christian worldview the faith to bear on that particular issue 
as it meets you face to face in that moment. Uh, and I think, like you said, mm. you had the apostles standing before the authorities and, and they knew and they could see what God was calling them to do in that moment because they were so intoxicated with the spirit. Mm. That was really good, Ezra. Um, question three. I really struggle to evangelize. Any helpful tips? I really struggle to evangelize. Any helpful tips? How's your evangelism game, guys? Wow. <laughs> you, you know what? You What's interesting is, and I, she might actually be listening to this. Um, one of my colleagues at work. Um, I mean, if I haven't. I don't. I, I would. I, I. I don't think I've been evangelizing her per se, but I've basically been saying to her, um, and every time she mentions, so she she doesn't call herself a Christian. She's kind of quasi grown up in the Christian um, context. Yep. Um, I mean, she's Ghanaian, so the, the, there's it's a cultural thing. Like it's, it's it's that upbringing, but. She wouldn't call herself a Christian anymore. And um, one of the things I've been saying to her, sort of like, it started off jokingly, but it's kind of gotten more and more serious. Mm. I'm saying, I keep, I keep on saying, um, soon you're going to come back home. Soon you're going to come back home. And it will, be, it will start off as a laugh. And I think at one point she, she uh, we're, in a, we're talking about something, I think issues with year 11, there's three of us um, during lunch and discussing something. And she was like, oh, guys pray for me because da 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 da. And I was like, you're almost home <laughs> <laughs> because she had never mentioned prayer oh, wow. before mm. and um i give that example because i think it's a it's a less um intense way of thinking about what it means to share your faith that i i, I basically i think i'm trying to challenge the idea that when we think about what it means to evangelize we usually frame it in sort of like a very technical formal conversation that that has this outlining of the Christian faith to in front of another person, mm. and that the only way we can conceive of of evangelizing is in that very straight, rigid format. And I want to argue that evangelism includes that, but it is more than that. Mm. Yeah, that you, you should think of it that way, um, as having conversation where you say essentially, "Hey, I'm a Christian. Here's what I believe, and here's the gospel, and here's why the Christian mes- message is so." Um, compelling yeah to 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 humans and to, to our humanity um, but it also looks like being able to just live Christianly so yeah. that so you're living like everyone else but people can see that your living is shaped by your Christian faith mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that can vary from um, jokingly in, in the example I gave talking about um, your faith and bringing it to bear on someone that isn't necessarily calling them to some sort of uh, on-the-spot decision. Yeah. Um, but it's just bringing it to their mind, oh, okay, yeah, he is a Christian. Yeah. I, yeah, and leaving them to process those um, those implications for them. Uh, but it doesn't, doesn't overcommit you as well in a way that becomes burdensome. Um, essentially, becomes what's, uh, a legalistic sort of mm-hmm. like chain where you're less Christian because you didn't give a five-point outline to the person <laughs> yeah. next to you on the bus. Or on the plane. On the, yeah. Or in the Uber. Or Things like that. Right. Um, I, I'm just, sorry, I'm just thinking mm-hmm. of a time I was at um, a former workplace. They held a, um, a talk with the Oxford Christian Centre of Apologetics. And um, really good talk. I'm trying to think of the guy who's, who runs it. Mark Ramsden? Yeah, that Mike Ramsden, yeah. Mike, Mike, Mike Ramsden, Ramsden, yeah. Something. Yeah, Mike Ramsden. Um, he wasn't there, but, mm. but um, a few of the guys who worked with him quite closely there came. 
And it was interesting because just on that point, like mm. we were speaking about workplace evangelism and what that looks like and how you can almost give, basically it was like a one minute gospel presentation. Mm. Um, and while I appreciated that talk, I'm hearing Israel speak now and just thinking, you know, um, and, and I think it was also something you mentioned on a previous podcast, the compelling nature of Christian experience and mm. the stories that you can bring mm. people into mm. um, also help to shape your evangelism. So there's not just this one way yeah yeah that looks like this that these yeah. here's the five points mm-hmm. um what do you think do you know what i mean or mm. give me an answer kind of mm. thing do you know what i mean yes or no <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah do you know what i mean um so sorry to cut you off what were you what were you going to go on to no i was going to wait for you I'll, okay yeah yeah finish up yeah um i think what you i mean so i think i for some reason kind of thought of the you know like todd friel style yeah evangelism way of way of the master yeah that's not so thrill, that but that's, a, but that's that that i think that's pretty much in the same yeah. in the same it's vein. very similar yeah and ten commandments yeah and almost kind of like no, no, no say public evangelism mm-hmm. so like when maybe for example street preaching street preaching all yeah. of those kind of things there. yeah and i think particularly for young people mm. um one of the inhibitions mm. should we say for evangelism i think and is just lack of preparedness mm-hmm. mm. um and i think we're, we're called to give an answer for the hope that's within us. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, um, we're not always able to do that. We don't feel comfortable enough to be mm. able to go out and speak to people about our faith and field questions from whatever their worldview is mm. or what their perspective is on that. And I think one thing that may be important to note biblically is that um, some people have been given grace to to be evangelists, just like there have been uh, some being given to apostleship, mm. being teachers in the church, all of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So um, I wouldn't, I would say don't beat yourself up too much because you don't consider yourself the best evangelist. Yeah. There are some people who are actually better than, better than you yeah. at this. Yeah. Yeah. That said, we are all called mm. to evangelize and mm. that could be in our personal capacity or in a kind of like a, and when I say personal capacity, I almost mean in the kind of workplace relationship yeah. that you said there. Friends, or like yeah, mm. or a kind of go out into the streets and preach. Yeah. Um, in terms of kind of um, useful tips, I think the first thing is to do is really just spend time reading your Bible. Mm. Uh, make sure you have a solid grasp of the scriptures that you feel comfortable enough to be able to deal with um, questions on the Bible in particular. I mean, it's not always easy necessarily to say how this responds to surah 4 26 in the quran or something mm-hmm. or some other worldview that you've never heard of but if you're at least able to give confident and assured answers on the scriptures that's a good starting place and then i would say then make extra make use of extra biblical make use of extra biblical resources so actually that actually deal with um some of those distinct worldviews or perspectives that you might be challenged by particularly in contexts where you find yourself so I know for me, I work in a place where atheism is quite mm. popular. Um, there are very few, I think, faith, faith sorry, um, based peoples at my yeah, workplace. Same. And I would suggest that that's generally the, the, the culture in the city. Yeah. Um, and so I know for me, that's something that I have to be able to grapple with. So it's not just necessarily understanding biblical arguments for why I believe God exists, etc. But it's also, you know, having to, despite me, not really enjoying mm. science 
also having to appreciate to some degree the kind of scientific arguments that people mm -hmm. pose the, ph the philosophical arguments that people pose and stuff like that so thankfully there are a number of extra biblical resources that you can consult um and Israel's going to give you a list <laughs> no, I'm joking I mean I mean wow. where would you where would you say is a good maybe if, if, if you have one in mind or any in mind like a good place to start for people to just kind of like Christian a Christian perspective on differing worldviews have you read any books in that line uh I think Ravi Zacharias is coming to my mind okay yeah quite a fair bit. Quite a Jesus among other gods is yeah. one that I've read yeah. I think yeah and he also has Jesus among secular gods right which okay is more, which is a new one I think which is really good for like modern um contemporary western world mm. uh and and the whole Zachariah and um, Ravi Zacharias uh Ministries. Ministries. Yes, uh, international ministry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They have um, a lot of material on um, the Christian faith and interaction with different worldviews. And um, Nabil Qureshi has done a lot on. Uh, yeah, the late Nabil Qureshi yeah. has done a lot on um, Christianity and Islam, for example. Uh, I think his ministry is the one that comes to mind straight away. Uh, I would need to reflect a bit more on other books yeah no, that's that. right, James yeah. White is another one yeah I was thinking of um, James White in terms of he's done a lot of debates with I think for for the specific you know task of engaging other religions he is really good mm. mm -hmm. um, he's done a lot of work on Islam um, and has done I think over 200 debates right um, with non-Christians uh, over how many years He's been doing it essentially since he was like 22. And I think he's like probably in his 60s now. Something like that. Um, yeah, that's what I, yeah, that's what it comes to mind. Yeah. Um, I think from my perspective, I mm. think it's it's hard in terms of, of course you've got like street evangelism, um, which I think is, I think sometimes gets a bad rap. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with, of course it's a war zone. If, if you're evangelizing in Stratford, all the best because it's an actual war zone. But there are, there are spaces and places where you can build relationships, share the gospel, get someone's contact details, invite them to your church and Dami's taking sweets in the background. Sorry guys. <laughs> it's fine, I <laughs> But in, I'm thinking of like your workplace, for example, your friends. If, you, if you've got, um, so from, I, I, from my, in my experience, I've seen that like, if you've got a friend or a work colleague that you've, you want to share the gospel with, of course, praying for them is really, um, it's, it's the first step. But also just kind of waiting, praying for open doors and then when you have the open door, speaking mm. um so like little things help as well so if it helps if your colleagues know you're a christian i'm not saying that you come in and you're putting tracks on the table but it's like mm -hmm. oh so what are you doing this weekend so you're saying oh i'm i'm going here on saturday and yeah i'm fine i'm just you i'm going to church on sunday of course it's a bit awkward but mm. in okay and then people come up to you and, and you know people are a bit awkward they're like oh that's amazing you're like okay yeah. but then it, if you build a relationship and you say okay what about you what do you do on weekends have you had a church life and and hopefully, Lord, but as time goes along, you actually have an opportunity to, mm. to give the gospel. Um, and that's the thing, like, you're, you're praying for open doors. I remember working, this is hilarious, I remember working in Clinton's when I was, like, in uni, and I was working with this colleague, and we had been working for, like, a couple of months now, and I was trying to think, oh, Lord, give me an opportunity to preach the gospel mm. to him. And I kept praying, praying, praying about it. And then one day, a song by um, John Legend called Heaven came on. It was like heaven and all. And I literally said, oh, do you believe in heaven? And I literally just dropped it. But it was like the Lord provided an opportunity mm. so I could sl slip in and then we had a great kind of mm. gospel conversation. Um, so yeah, it's just praying for the open doors and then when 
they 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 are there and then when they're available actually yeah speaking having the boldness, yeah. Yeah, having yeah. The boldness. And that, again you pray for boldness as well because it's easy to cower in front of all these your colleagues your friends people who have a good relationship with you and and you don't want to there's mm. that there's that sadly there's a shame that you may feel and you really need to pray against that and, and pray for open yeah. doors um i want to say three last things okay go <laughs> and stop me if it becomes a sermon um <laughs> first i want to say uh sorry as, I, as i've heard um Dami and Mary talk i've had a lot of time to think as well um history is really our friend i think in thinking about evangelism it, it was very liberating for me to for a long time i wrestled with the idea of um essentially open air preaching as a necessary feature of the church's work and it was liberating in a sense to realize that actually that only began in the 17th 18th century with the first awakening george whitfield hmm. jonathan esward esque mm-hmm. folks and to think that the church f- for 1800 years before that i said 1800 so 1800 wow um <laughs> You're really going to America. Yeah, that's... <laughs> anyway, refocus. Okay. Uh, yeah, before that, had a very different um, method to evangelism. And the church was growing before Jonathan Edwards or Whitfield or any of those um, sort of revivalist um, ev- first evangelicals ever stepped onto the scene. Um, and so, I, basically what I'm trying to say is that we need to be careful that to... to idolize one particular method and make it absolute um, because that will always lead to some sort of tension and um, frustration when we're not meeting that particular method the early church for the most part its witness was just say we're not going to submit to the rules of the roman empire mm-hmm. and that led to growth you know people always talk about how did the church grow under persecution who would join a religion that they know if i join i'm going to die and that was part of its witness yeah. that people were so convinced by the resurrection and the Christian message that people were looking at like, you must really believe this. And that was, it was a thing that they couldn't understand and it actually compelled them and drew them in because they couldn't get how a group could join a religion that they know would lead to their death next week. It's the same thing that's going on in the persecuted church right now in, in regions of North Korea and China. The church is growing because of its persecution. Mm. Um, the, th- the second thing that I want to mention is a book by Brian Stone. Yeah, Israel it's becoming definitely- a actually <laughs> <It's not> preaching. <laughs> Brian, Brian Stone has a book called Evangelism After Christendom, mm. uh, where he basically talks about uh, what it looks like to do evangelism in, in the postmodern world. Um, and it's a really good book. I recommend it as a, as a book to read. Uh, it doesn't give, it's not like a tool for evangelism, but it's just talking about the theology of evangelism, how we think about it. Um, and he says that we should, I think, think about evangelism more as Christian witness and being a witness to the world um, and not reducing it to some sort of like capitalist um, conversion rates, which I think <laughs> a, a few, and it's a, it's a real thing. We think of it primarily as like, I need to get my numbers up. Win souls. Depending yeah. on the church you go to as well. Like, yeah. There's 50 people that got saved today. And you're like, mm-hmm, how? Because mm-hmm. they came up to the Oracle. Is that yeah. And, and if you get into that mindset, you're, you're, he, he was saying you're basically just a capitalist in Christian clothes because you're doing it you're, you're behaving no differently to the bank who wants to get people to get a bank account with them we're trying to get our numbers up he's like you can't reduce the Christian faith and Christian witness to that that is about bearing truth in response to the compete to the idols around um, the Christian people and the Christian community um, and standing true to what the, the Christian message is 
um, inward, indeed, in life, and mm. all that comes with it. Yeah. Um, the last thing. <laughs> I mean, I think we've, we've said this already, you know, the evangelism looks like verbal proclamation and actually speaking, outlining that, what the Christian message is um, and why it's so compelling. But it also looks like showing how your Christianity influences your life. I think that's a really, you know, compelling way of describing the Christian faith and saying, hey, I'm an artist and here's how my faith inf- informs my my art, art um, artwork. It's not something that yeah. people think of, but it, it gets people thinking about what it means for your worldview to impact your life. I, yeah. Sorry, I was just on that point. This is just like a mm. thought experience. We know a good few people who work in, say, for example, different spheres. And yeah. I think we should actually do a podcast hmm. finding out from those Christians. I thought we were going to do... Um, oh, that was, that's planned? Yeah, we we planning that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look out for that then. Yeah, yeah. look out for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's solid. Um, <laughs> another one is the Christian faith just speaking to different issues. That if you, if you say, well, here's a here's a biblical view of, of immigration, here's a view Christian view of justice, and show that the Christian faith isn't just again, it's, it's is this, but it's more than this. It isn't just oh, we need you to uh, make this positive affirmation during our church, and it has no bearing on everything that goes on around you in your life. And so you might be someone who is who is stuck in a cycle of poverty, but the Christian message has nothing to say about your situation it's just about you making a verbal um, proclamation every sunday yeah. and then going back to your old life but showing how it informs and impacts the world around you those are all powerful ways of witnessing to the world and essentially evangelizing to the world as well mm. that was a good sermon i really like that <laughs> <laughs> question four we are uh, 49 minutes question four we're really we're really talking today i'm listening to a sermon question four i'm listening to a sermon about complaining slash grumbling it's clear in scripture that we should give thanks in all situations, but how does this how does this not contrast slash conflict with most of Psalms? We see David go into detail about his different situation and doesn't hold back his emotions to God. Hmm. Essentially, what's the difference between what David uh, between David's example of lamenting and complaining? Hmm. Do you get that question? The, yeah, that's, always, that's quite interesting because it's because um, we of course we know that. Even when you think of Job, like Job's back and forth mm. with God and then David's mm. um, back and forth with God, which of course shows a good way of bearing our heart to God. Mm. Yeah. But then that fine line of, and I'm not David, I'm not as God as David, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, I'm probably going to get it wrong. So like, yeah, what's the difference between like complaining and lamenting and how do we navigate that? So I, have, I haven't done like a particularly extensive study of the Psalms, um, but that's funny. As part of my daily devotion. <laughs> um, really I'm actually, so yeah, so I'm using the discipleship journal reading plan. Um, which I, I recommend. Well. Yeah. Wow. Um, so oh, I, I wish read, I could you say read I Old Testament well, and so, yeah. then Psalms. No, it's one Psalm, one Old Testament. No, I wish. <laughs> it's one Psalm, a few Old Testament passages, yeah, yeah, yeah. a New Testament, Testament passage. Yeah. And um, yeah. And the gospel it's, passage. It's always the Old Testament. Yeah. And everyone used to read like four um, chapters a day. Yeah, a day. Um, and this is heavy stuff. But no, what I was going to say is that um, the increasing awareness that I have of David's, do I say lament, um, can I call it grumbling, is that um, he always seems to sucker himself by saying, but God is my refuge. Mm. Or... Um, God is righteous kind of thing. So he always places the context of his troubles or his woes in the larger picture of God's sovereignty 
yeah. of um, God's keeping him direction, all of those kind of things. So then I guess in comparison to just kind of complaining or um, dare I say like lamenting without hope, I hope you can see when you're looking at the Psalms where David's trust is. Um, and if you find yourself as somebody in difficult situations, but you're one who faces those situations without a regard for the fact that God is sovereignly in charge of them as the one who has placed you there. That's where the difference I think is made particularly clear in comparison to David. Um, and again, it's one of those things where scripture tells us, um, or Christ tells us rather, cast, cast the burdens at his feet because he cares for you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that, <laughs> burdens are burdensome. And so that those things can be very difficult and um, particularly emotionally, physically, potentially, mentally draining. Um, and I think it, I think it's fine for you to go to the Lord with that. Do you know what I mean? It's it's fine for you to pour out that emotion that's coming out of you in the midst of that trial and say, Lord, I'm really struggling here. I'm really, really mm. suffering. But also, again, doing it within the wider purview of appreciating that the Lord is the one who has placed you there and he won't give you more than you can bear. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's like that. Because um, I, 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 I was always told that um, grumbling um, and complaining becomes bad when you almost begin to question God's character, or you almost begin to impugn God and like, oh, yeah. my God, Shake are you your even? Fist at the yeah, like, are you even just? Like, we almost begin to attack His character and and, and His attributes, mm-hmm. um, almost in a way to say, well, you can't be just, or you can't be loving, mm. you can't be holy, ABC. Um, whereas I think David. David, of course, was very clear in his emotions in terms of his anguish, his sorrow, but mm. he brought his he brought them to God and mm. he was able to find um the bedrock of God's promises and God's love and and all of those things. And he was a lot of them were prayers. Like mm. he would bring his sorrows to, to God or his or his complaints, so to speak, but they were prayers. He was like, Lord, would you be pleased to vindicate me from my enemies? Would you yeah. be, like it, a lot of it was Ultimately, my trust is in you, as, as Danny mm. was saying. So, so I think, I think complaining can. I don't think complaining is always sinful, but I think me <laughs> complaining is gonna be sinful because I'm sinful. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's just I. I don't know if I can strike the balance as well as, as David does, and I right. think a lot of us do struggle to do that, where we actually walk away thinking, "Oh, God doesn't love me," or "God isn't just," or "God isn't righteous," or "God isn't sovereign." Um, whereas I think God and um, David was able to walk away from those prayers or from his psalms believing more in God and hoping more for grace to trust him more. Hmm. And we should strive to do that. Yeah. I think is the point. So even if you look at yourself and you say, I'm not where David is with it. Mm. um, Lord grant me the grace to be where David was in the midst of his trials, where he was constantly relying on you, um, affirming your righteousness, affirming the inscrutability of your judgments, your ways, all of those kinds of things. Place me in that, that space that says I can be thankful amidst this trial. Yeah. Um, and taking your whole self to God. Mm-hmm. So at times we pray, but we don't say like, oh Lord, I'm really scared or yeah. I'm really afraid or I'm really sad if this happens. Like bringing your whole emotions to God. Sure. Um, and that's something that I, I learned from David in terms of just, because you, you bring your prayers and you almost feel like God is this distant mm. kind of a father who's unaware of your heart and unaware of the, your frailties and your fear. Whereas he made you, he knows you. So it's mm. you're not hiding anything if you say, God, please give me this job because I'm afraid if I don't get a job, I don't know where I'm going to live and I'm so sad and I'm so afraid. And I'm, and that's bringing yourself to God in a mm-hmm. way that's vulnerable and, and really dependent on him. What do you think is? Uh, well, 
I've loved everything you guys have said. Um, I think of the contrast between humility and pride mm-hmm. in the dynamic between, um, or well, not between, well, the difference between lamenting and uh, complaining. And as you said, really, you know, lamenting has this um, posture of, I'm limited. I don't know everything and I don't understand what's going on right now. Mm. And part of that humility is, is acknowledging that you don't know everything and that you're not able to do everything but you are praying to a god who is mm-hmm. and that tension is what you bring before him is you say all of like you said all all, I, all i'm feeling right now i want to bring i want to pour out before you because i don't get this life um but you're the creator of this life and so i'm going to put my trust in you that you are going to care for me in this season where i am completely confused um, completely distraught and um, hurting and so on I think of uh, Hannah's prayer mm. um, where she was crying out to God for a child and you know um, she's in the temple praying and Eli thinks she's drunk um, because she's been praying so or crying out to God so um, so recklessly I guess is probably a good word for it as well um, and then after her prayer she wipes her eyes and she and, and the scripture says she leaves no longer sad and it says she leaves no longer sad not knowing whether she'll have a child or not but actually pulled her heart out um, to God. I think that's a good picture of what it looks like to lament in contrast to complain, that we leave, not necessarily having the answers, mm. but we leave knowing that our lives are in his hands and that he's still in control, whether we, it turns out the way we want it to or not. Complaining has this like um, expectation of things have to go the way I have it planned in my mind. And until it does, you done messed up, God. <laughs> that, mm. That's what it is. You know, that's what we do when we go to McDonald's or, you know, when you two go to more fancier restaurants. Um, <laughs> Just Danny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm in we, McDonald's with you. <laughs> we could be, we call Danny's in Hakkasan. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> we call the um, waiter or whoever. It's like, nah, I did not pay one pound and nine pence. <laughs> For cold soggy fries <laughs> and i'm not leaving until i get what i expect that's complaining um it's like you have to meet my demands for xyz um god doesn't have to meet our demands um but he's gracious to us and so we trust him and we say this isn't what i thought it would look like but i'm i, I want to trust you even as i continue to hurt um in the, in that season mm. that was a word um question five what does it mean that Christ became sin for us? Reference <laughs> in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Is it right to say that Christ became a sinner for us? How could he be when he was perfect and without sin? I think the questioners kind of already answered it in that they made the distinction between sin and sin sinner. And sin. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, said, it says Christ became sin for us. Yes. It didn't say Christ became a sinner for us. Mm-hmm. And so, I if, think, so if someone said Christ was a sinner, when he bore our sin. Be wrong. When yeah. he bore our sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still be wrong. <laughs> because we, we, and there's a reason that there are two different words. Yeah. Because they both, con- they are connected, obviously, but they, they mean different things. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, sorry, just on that point, yeah, I think yeah. it's important to note, um, which is, I think, I don't know if Israel was going there, but it's important to note that if, for example, at the point where Christ was on, if Christ was a sinner on the cross, he does not, he is not a perfect sacrifice to atone for sin. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. Facts. Um, 
so there there has to be that distinction in the language used. Good line. There we go. As Spurgeon would say. Otherwise, essentially, the gospel destructs. Yeah. Right. That's true. Um, we don't have a savior who's perfect and holy and mm. acceptable to appease God's wrath. Um, so yeah, you, you you cannot say that God is a sinner. Mm. I'm mm. sorry. That, yeah, that Christ was a sin. Christ, the God man was a sinner. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I think it's um, important to that that whole passage actually. Um, it, it says that he, so Second Corinthians 5, um, 2021 says, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. Yeah. Mm. And so you have this implicit idea of exchange and substitution within um, what happened on the cross that mm-hmm. God viewed Jesus Christ and treated Jesus Christ the way he should have treated our sin. Mm-hmm. And that was with wrath and judgment. And that's exactly what the message of the cross is, that Christ takes your wrath for you. And that and that exchange, I think, is what's been heightened there, that Christ so identified with your sin that God treated Christ the way he should have treated your sin and where he does treat your sin. Um, and in that is where the exchange actually occurs, that Christ identifies and bears your sin um there's one thing i have in my head and i'm not sure about this so if someone facts checking me and i'm wrong i already gave you my uh little (laughs) spiel yeah (laughs) i think the word sin in greek actually refers to in the old testament um the idea of sin offering okay that so for example when the never uh, studied greek um, yeah the, the, this is really hazy <laughs> that means is annoying me sorry on this podcast <laughs> continue continue Israel. um in the old testament you have sin offerings or different offerings um to essentially old testament christians um israelites showing um the need for constant um um expiation and propitiation that the animal is sacrificed for them that their blood is spilled and um their life is taken for the israelite life and so on and i think the word used for sin in second Corinthians is actually linked to that word for sin offering where it points to like the lamb being slain on the Mm. behalf of the people and i i think that connection actually helps clarify as christ is that lamb sacrifice for his people lamb of god who takes away the sin mm, of the world. yeah, yeah I, the reason why i ask that question is because i think it, this question does kind of allude to the whole idea of having correct biblical language yeah, yeah. especially with primary doctrines mm, of yeah. christianity so christ divinity um the trinity you have to i think we have to be careful how we phrase and say things because mm. saying things incorrectly can be disastrous as as daniel yeah. said so there is a distinction between christ um in our place Hmm. and us as the sinner and the whole substitution that that the gospel brings Um, i guess what's even more glorious about that um exchange is that we have the imputed righteousness of christ Mm. Hmm. um and that's i guess you i almost feel like you can't have this conversation about our sin being imputed to christ without being reminded of that yeah glorious truth that um those who believe have his righteousness imputed to them Mm. praise be to god (laughs) Yeah. Amen. Question six: What should you look for when you are looking for a church to go? Have we answered this question before? 
I'm not sure. I don't remember. Oh, let's do this then. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Israel, <laughs> Israel, when you joined your church, why did you join your church? Daniel, come into you as well. Oh, well, man. I mean, I... I'm I, hoping we might be able to see, like, your decision process. Okay. But mine was very specific. You're looking for a Presbyterian church. Yeah, that was one. Yeah, I was a very different then. Okay, no, so, okay, yeah, but so even but even aside course. from that, because if okay, the Presbyterian church is one of the mm-hmm. first things, but they must have been other. There was multiple Presbyterian churches. Yeah. So what? Well, so I'll start with the very very foundational thing, and I start with this because I think it's something that everyone needs to think about when they think about, well, for, irrespective of your theological persuasion, um, things like that. There's this. Um, there's this concept of the marks of the church mm. um, and i think those are at the core of what it is to look for a church and th- and those marks are essentially um the right preaching um and the right administration of the sacraments mm-hmm. and some people put a third church discipline but some people put that under preaching and that's another debate but essentially those two i think are the core of what distinguishes a church from any other like social institution that okay. you have the right preaching of the word and essentially the christian people the Christ- christians are people of the book um they they are essentially they get right all their doctrine from <laughs> the bible um and if you're in a if if you are looking for a church you're looking for somewhere that has um core foundational understanding of what christianity looks like um through the scriptures and then that being in continuity with the historic church so isn't the church, the pastor hasn't woken up and said, "Hey, I've discovered something new that no Christian for the past two hundred two thousand years has ever discovered." Yeah, mm, that's not how it works. Uh, and then the right administrators of sacraments. So we're talking baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now there's still there's this theological differences within those two, mm. but that the churches are actually administrating those. So if you go to a church that hasn't done the Lord's Supper in the past two and a half years. Like historically, that's actually a very problematic thing, because what it is to to be a, to have a Christian identity is that you have these markers and symbols and seals that distinguish you from the world. So those are the core ones. Um, then there are other things that I think are a bit more periphery. Okay. But also um, worship. Yeah. So that band that. That's that's, that's actually that I, feel like the, <laughs> I feel like that's why it's quite it's a bit more periphery because there are only certain things that are important. So like you quite, want yeah. you want a church that. Sings. I think Kevin DeYoung said this recently, actually. It wasn't like, no, it wasn't Kevin DeYoung. Was it Tinkara? Was someone on Twitter? <laughs> Owen Strawn, I think. Oh, I said, like him. Life is too short to sing bad theology. Mm, right. Word. That's um, a word. <laughs> and I think that's a very good uh, quote because it just it, it, it emphasizes the importance of um, the congregation singing, um, praising God in the church. And there's going to be cultural differences there. So I'm not too concerned about those cultural differences. That would look like in some um, moments in history, him singing from a hymn book. For others, that would look like um, a band and... Uh, Percussion instruments. Yeah, things like that. A drummer doing his thing. <laughs> and, and Killing so it. On. And so those, I think that's more a cultural difference that, I, that I'm that i okay to say. If, if you feel you resonate with one or the other, that's fine. However, you shouldn't say that the, the other... Other is bad. Yeah. Okay. Like so if... if, if, if but if someone came up to you and was like, oh, I went found this church, it's got all the marks, but mm. the choir isn't good. Is that a valid... Or, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of another reason. That's... If they found another church that had all the marks and had the choir, 
that's okay. But if they went to a, a church that didn't have the marks but had the choir, then I'm saying you have your priorities wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's that's yeah. That's yeah. Oh, so they had the choir but had nothing else. <laughs> yeah, it's like but I'm going there. No, we, we, you can't. That's not what makes a church. Okay. But yeah, that, and so I'll say that's you can't. That's that's not how you should be viewing um, the whole thing. Uh, what else? I mean, for me, what I what I really appreciated about my church was that it was very rooted in in the in the um, local community and engaged in 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 what was going around the community and so seeing for example there's a um huge need and issue with homelessness in shepherd's bush and actually trying to engage that actively things like that and those kinds of things differ from church to church and the community to community because yeah. not the church will not address every single thing yeah. in yeah. your community nor is it expected to or obligated to um per se but it, it won't so so those sorts of things that um, draw you to a church will differ from church and people have and I think I'm increasingly becoming more comfortable so people have um, things that are issues that are very cent- central to their heart and personal to them yeah, yeah. and so you might be someone who is who is deeply um, committed to seeing the church engage with homelessness and um, poverty and so part of what drew you, drew you to this church as a person of art is seeing just how engaged they are with that. And that's actually okay. I think mm. that's fine. Um, and then you might have someone else who goes to a church because they have a very um, strong sort of like discipleship training where they are constantly um, educating uh, their their congregants and things like that. And that drew you to, Sorry, to that I'm church. Sorry, I'm trying think... to get another Haribo. Right? <laughs> I'm like, No! <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. I, I yeah. have a friend who, um, of course, there, there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of faithful churches, I'd say, mm. in London, um, but she joined that church because they have a big emphasis on family. Mm. Um, and that was, So so mm. you can have things that are yeah. personal to you that yeah. you think, okay, I'll, I'll join this church. Or mm-hmm. it's, maybe it's a small church, so you feel like you could be used right. more, all those different yeah. things. Um, yeah. What about you, Danny? What was the reasons why you joined your church? Well, yeah, I guess I, mine is different to Izzo's in, in the sense that I, Came to the church I joined eventually, not wishing to stay. Um, wow, <laughs> that's just me being like that's me being blunt. Um, Richard invited me to church. Shout out Richard. Um, and my um, my desire was to get out of here as soon as possible, but just to honour the invitation. Your pastor's listening to this. Um, I mean, listen, I th- I've he's heard my testimony. Shout out so. God's sovereignty, though. Yeah, no, he's mm. so, so he knows this. I'm sure he's acquainted with this story. Um, what made me stay? Um, or if I can just think of some marks of the church that I think um, stand out about where I worship and which I'm thankful for. Um, do you know, I really valued the opportunity to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that I had been used to previously. And be- okay, I'll, I'll be honest. I stopped going to church maybe when I was around 17. 18 like with any serious regularity because I'd been working at the time and also because like I wasn't a believer so it was just becoming increasing increasingly um draining I didn't necessarily see the need or feel the use for it um but I think a a bad experience for people who who are learning particularly like at school or or in coming into contact with people in the wider world and integrating and engaging like people's different views and stuff is when you feel the place that you're at doesn't give the opportunity to ask questions um, and actually be given robust biblical responses 
Um, so I really valued that about the church that I came to. Um, secondly was the nature of the preaching, expository preaching. Um, What's expository? Which... <laughs> What's expository <laughs> preaching? Um, I don't have like a, the what's it called merriam-webster definition i would just say where the biblical text is um opened up in its fullness and you're trying to say interpret scripture with scripture so the pa- the passage is given like a full the, you're given the full purview of the passage that's, okay. that's the best way that i can describe it offhead um i was thankful for that because i think this may be your experience if you're listening or just in general, a lot of the times, maybe you're only dealing with one verse in isolation and actually given no context, it's very, very difficult to really appreciate what the writer is saying at that point in time or go away with anything particularly meaningful for you to meditate upon mm-hmm. or consider in your own personal life. Um, love was, although... <laughs> Why are you laughing? Man, I'm showing my heart here. <laughs> so I think... Love was evident at the church I joined, not that necessarily I wanted to feel it at the time. Wow. <laughs> Some people was like, leave me alone. Um, no, I'm just, be- like, I'm being blunt. Is that how you feel? <laughs> That's no. how he felt. That's how I felt. I, dr- I was quoting Drake, you guys. Oh, 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 no. oh. It went over the heads. Yeah, yeah, over- yeah we're be blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, like, for example, the lunches and stuff that took place um, were just really... Uh, quite wonderful to see not like I've never seen people have lunch in a church setting before but actually to know that this was done with and every every Lord's Day regularity and to see people come together and sit down and ask each other how their week has been and what's going on in their lives etc etc I got a good sense that um, this is a place where for example people are um, the the love is genuine and um, stuff stuff of that nature they, they, they were they were trying to serve one another um so yeah i would agree certainly with israel's kind of dare I say, primary um concerns and yeah i also think people have maybe secondary concerns that they are entitled to think about yeah as long as they don't necessarily take primacy over um some of those more fundamental considerations um i I had something in mind, but it's just skipped, so I'll marry. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of the reasons. Uh, gospel preaching was one. Um, mm. I remember becoming a Christian and hearing gospel sermons and then coming to a church and being like, oh, wow, they preach the gospel every week. And then they, the next week, they preach about Christ again and how he's just... And I just, I just that just blew my mind. Um, so I, I love that. Um, of course, I, is it Mark Devil that's got the nine healthy marks of the church? Yeah. Which I think you've... you've You've done well to explain. Um, I think other things I really like um, that drew me here is like pastoral, pastoral care. Like mm. I love pastoral care. Um, church membership, um, understanding kind of your your um, your responsibility in the church has, has been very helpful for me. And then, yeah, like just gospel preaching and biblical theology, really trying to build people up in the word and have a good, robust view of doctrine and scripture and how that meets life. Um, and I, yeah, those are the, the, the things that I like Um aside to the core things um and i had a follow-up question um oh wait what, we've answered the question right what should you look for when you go to, yep we have um how long should you take to find a church so let's say for example you meet someone they're looking for a church um of course we don't want to be prescriptive yeah. but after like the six month they've gone to 10 15 churches um i do want to suggest that 
Okay. So maybe when you're dealing with those primary issues, mm -hmm. um, I think you can get a good sense of those very quickly. Literally just by asking questions, particularly on the point about the sacraments. They may not be um, administering those on that particular Sunday, Sunday that you yeah. go. Yeah. But you can have a conversation with a pastor or somebody in the church and just ask, do you do this with regularity? Is it frequently mm. done here? I think um, in one, certainly in two weeks of sitting down and hearing a sermon, you can get a good sense for mm. the nature of the sermons over time. Um, the, I guess the difficulty in how long you spend then comes to some of those more secondary concerns because some other things may take longer to observe. Mm -hmm. Right. Again, you have the beauty of being able to ask, I hope anyway, you feel comfortable enough to go to church leaders and church members and ask the questions about things that are concerning to you. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you if you're thinking about um, how your gifts might serve in the church, whether there's mm -hmm. scope for your gifts to, to, to be used to be made use of, um, if you're thinking maybe about church discipline, for example, again, not necessarily something that's going to be immediately apparent. Um, but you, you, you may have to speak to people about these kinds of things over time. Um, love, for example, may not just be evident in one in mm -hmm. one Sunday. It may take you a few weeks of genuine integration into the church, or you know, genuine involvement with the church for you to be able to really feel the warmth there, the affection there between brethren, and for you to feel that this is home. Um, so I would definitely say it won't take you long, in my opinion, to ascertain whether this is the right place when you're dealing with those first two issues as Israel mentioned okay but it can take you a few weeks possibly I'm thinking possibly even months yeah because I'm just thinking let's say you, yeah. you do that with one church yeah so you, and then you, you do that in London there's like 20 churches mm. but, but you know if <laughs> you're going to whittle it down yeah 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 you yeah, can no, have I'm just thinking, five or six on your shortlist that you might spend a significant if amount of time if you've been in a church for three or four months, hear me out, tell me if you think I'm wrong. If you've been in a church for three or four months, I get the sense that increasingly you're of the opinion, certainly to go over like 12 weeks, back to back to back. <laughs> yeah, I think th week, this is somewhere you week feel... Week three. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, week yeah. three. <laughs> I mean, Even week two. <laughs> no, um, I think it could be longer than that, to be fair. Okay, week but three, week three, week three. Increasingly, I get the sense that... Um, Having been there for so long, mm. there are very few things that are of detrimental concern that makes you say, do you know what? I cannot worship here and serve here long term. Mm. Um, and so I wouldn't encourage you to do four months in one church, dip out, then go do another four months in one church, dip out, mm. then go and do another four months in another church, dip out. Um, what about one week in one church, one week in another church? Because I think, I've, from my experience, people who they do that, they go to one, one church this week, another church that week, and they might do that six weeks and then mm. they revisit the, the second round. Um, <laughs> assessment, assessment center. <laughs> <laughs> You've made it to stage two. <laughs> you made it to stage two. Um, it is, the thing is, I don't, yeah. it's hard to find a new church. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I appreciate hard. that. Mm. Um, um, so you, you do have to take time. I think the reason why I ask is because mm. I feel like there is this kind of desire, even though we don't say it, to find yeah. a perfect church. Yeah. Hmm. So it's like, I need to find the night, the yeah, healthy, right, and I need yeah, to find everything. this, I need to find. And yeah. it's like, you're not going to find, yeah. like, you're not going to find yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think, I think that's fair to say. Um, again, I, I don't, I don't think necessarily that visiting multiple churches over a short time span 
is too much of an issue. Yeah. Because I provided that you have the right motives, at least anyway, mm -hmm. and you are looking for those things that should be of chief concern. I'm assuming that one of the reasons why you may go to one one week and not go back to it later on is because you actually didn't find one of those things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly I think, you know, if you hear that there are three sound churches in your local area, no harm in going to one, mm. one week, going to the other, another week, finding it. And then using your secondary concerns to kind of whittle it down to where you think the Lord is calling you to go to. I have absolutely um, no issue with that. Yeah. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I think thankfully in our, in our age, uh, the internet will, will speed up that process, honestly, because yeah, if yeah. you're, if you know, because this is like, it's actually something that I'm thinking through right now, especially as I'm looking to move, I'm, you already okay so you know you're moving to this city for example um st louis missouri and, and so covenant campaign when your fans yeah, yeah, find yeah. you and they just, <laughs> just point your and whole so you, you go online and you actually st louis is a big error so for me i'm like okay i'm looking at presbyterian churches uh, mainly pca that's presbyterian church in america that's a particular denomination i'm looking at those churches that's that's already watered it down to a certain group i can listen to sermons online i've done that for a few of them um, I can see who are the pastors social, there. Social media presence. See what they what do. What do they get up to? In the and things like that. And that actually really helps. And that mm. can bring down your list already. So now it's like when you when you visit there, you might have like three or four that, that you're thinking like, I can attend one of these four. You go there. In my mind, this is what I'm planning to do anyway. Maximum two months of like visiting. <laughs> and I should be able to decide in two months. And I think that's a good number for those who like numbers. I'm I'm a very rigid person. I like mm. give me give me a fixed number. No, I think a deadline so, is helpful though. I remember so, yeah, speaking definitely. to my friend definitely. who mm. spent six months plus looking for a mm. church, and I literally said to that person like, "Pick now, like <laughs> no, like because they they had done like drew around and was like, right. okay, I'm gonna visit that church in Epping." That I said, that, and I was like, "You're not gonna find." And I remember even someone said like, "If you find the perfect church, don't go there because you're yeah. gonna ruin it anyway." Yeah. So it's like you're not gonna find the oh. perfect church. Okay, like I hear that, but ouch. <laughs> that is true, though. You find that's a perfect church, you. you enter the building, you're going to ruin it. You're, you're the not, sinner. You're not perfect. Um, and there is a, like, you have to commit to a church. Yeah. So mm. it's like, I commit to, even the things I don't like, because I'm sure in all our churches, there's things that we don't like about our yeah. church yeah. that irritate us or annoy us or wish could be better. And so, but you still have to commit because it's your church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would just say for anybody who's going through that kind of thing, don't delay. Um, hmm. Really... Um, commit yourself to finding a local church as soon as yeah. possible and doing it diligently and reaching out to people you know who are in uh, sound local churches who can help you in that process. It doesn't mean necessarily you end up at their church, mm -hmm. um, but the importance of being uh, committed to a local body can't be overstated. Yeah. Um, so do it without delay. Hmm. Definitely. Um, I think we're done for today. Cool. Yeah. I have to say this because I will forget, but um, by the time this episode drops, the Mother's Day series hmm. will kicked off. Yep. So I uh, had the first episode of Miscarriage. Uh, second episode will be, probably be about bereavement and the third one hmm. being a, a mother, uh, the experience of being a young mum. So yeah, that's the Motherhood series. I hope you guys enjoyed those videos. Yeah. That's going to be on our YouTube and you'll see it on all our social media. So please engage with that if you can. Um, mm -hmm. Anything else? No, I'm good. I'm good too. Yeah. I'm good as well. How do we end this? Because you know how Danny doesn't like the whole. This is I, I am pushing yeah. my mic away. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Peace out. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>